Coming to you live from Austin, Texas and the Queen City in North Carolina, this is the Good Faith Podcast for the month of September 2021. This month, the Federalist thinks Christians are just too gosh darn nice. Lauren Boebert wants to enich Biden. Yeah, we don't know what it means either. The Cyber Ninja Cyber Audit backfires beautifully. The EU warns that the Taliban government is not, quote, inclusive and representative. China's Bitcoin miners are moving to Texas for the very stable electrical grid. You remember where you were when the world stopped turning as bin Laden was declared woke and identity politics kind of fella? And are you, yes you, ready to share your anal print with big tech? Big news this month, we are starting to experiment with advertisers on the show. Don't worry, these products and services are thoroughly vetted by us so you can trust them. And they're very short and quick. Our first sponsor is Pat's Protein Powder. Open the borders of your gains. But Carl's, have you heard the news? Home Depot's giant skeletons are back, baby. And instantly uh, out of stock. So, as promised, thanks to the worldwide phenomenon that they had caused, Home Depot had a press release in July saying that their giant skeletons would be back, and they would be back in stores as of September. But of course, they're instantly out of stock because they're a huge hit, and they managed to somehow one-up their game from last year. I thought we had peaked with the 12-foot skeleton, but oh no. According to their press release, quote, uh, revealing all the skeletons in our closet is Lance Allen, the decorative holiday merchant known for bringing not just one, but two giant skeletons to life. And this year, in 2021, he brought us the, quote, 12-foot Inferno pumpkin skeleton, the king of the Rotten Patch collection, which has a jack-o'-lantern as a face, also with light-up eyes. Uh, life eyes. Yes. Yeah, trademark. Yeah. Trademark. We're, we're, we must say that in order to not be sued. I didn't know that necromancer was a job you could get in corporate America. I was not aware of that either. His, his direct quote from Lance Allen is, If our customers and associates loved our original 12-foot skeleton, then they have to have our new 12-foot Inferno pumpkin skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's like guinea pigs. You can't have them all alone. You have to give them a buddy. You can't have them all alone. Now, I liked the, you know, inside the beltway, you know, latest news that they put in the press release about showing the production line of all the skeletons as they came off the production <laughs> line. And they're just all lined up, all 12 feet tall, just lined up, ready to be put into their boxes <laughs> to be shipped. <laughs> oh. so once we got back to the office, we started to collaborate, says Lance. Originally, as of when we started this project in 2019, we were going to target 10 feet, but we decided to shoot for the stars and design it at 12 feet. Because the stars started 12 feet. 12 feet. <laughs> <laughs> this should, um, next time Musk fires a car into space, he should have one of these giant 12 foot skeletons. skeletons. Yes. Exactly. Do you think if we send enough tweets to Elon Musk about that, he would actually do it? I <laughs> think only... he's memey enough just to where he would do that, which, by the way, he probably will have more spare time now that he has officially split from Grimes. Oh, man, I didn't have it written down. It's just it's just too sad. It's just too sad. Is there any hope for the rest of us if a billionaire breaks up with, with his significant other? Probably. 
Yeah, there's, okay. there's a high probability there's chances for the rest <laughs> of us. Oh, man, what are they going to do about the baby? I still don't know how to pronounce their child's name. You're not supposed to. Really? I don't think. Oh, why would you? I thought that within all the symbols, it's supposed to be some sort of pronunciation that's intelligible. Look, I'm not some sort of eccentric South African genius that could understand how to name a baby. I It did not take genius to name that baby. I'm going to tell you that right now. Okay. Well, good. <laughs> I'm just a simple country podcaster. We're in, in our simple country ways, in our <laughs> simple country manner of trying to find the last of these 12-foot skeletons that we can buy at this late in the year. Because as you know, it's Spooktober. It is. Yes, we're recording this on Spooktober the 2nd. Uh, everyone has gone out and gotten their pumpkin everythings. Um, except, you know, oh, they should they should make these skeletons scratch and sniff. Ooh. Uh-huh, 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 okay, uh-huh. but what are the... Is it just going to be pumpkin? Or are we, are we thinking any other uh, type of holiday sense i'm thinking mystery you get a different okay. one with each skeleton kind of like I jelly beans that. like mystery yeah. jelly beans yeah hmm. oh speaking of jelly beans what if you did candy corn <laughs> what have you seen the thanksgiving candy corn oh no it is a real thing is i swear a, look it a up giant a giant one no, they they are candy corn of different flavors. So it's like coffee, apple oh. pie. One of oh. them's turkey. No. Yes. Oh no! I did! I did! I did! It's the complete meal in a bag or whatever. It is the complete meal in a bag. Okay. All right. I thought you meant there were twelve foot candy corn pieces. No, <laughs> but that's probably the next place where they're going to go. <laughs> if if Thanksgiving has a is going to. Uh, have the candy corn. The candy corn needs to come back in a big way for Halloween. And the only way I think they can come back is with a 12-foot candy corn. Can't let Thanksgiving hog up all the attention there. Certainly can't. Oh, man. You know, funnily enough, I have not seen any Christmas decorations yet. I would have like thought I would have seen them by now. Yeah, like in the stores. stores? Oh, yeah. they're here, baby. I'm sure it's going to sneak up on me just like it, it does every single year, and I'm not going to notice it. You should uh, go into your friendly neighborhood Hobby Lobby, and they're already up. Oh, you mean right next to my cuneiform tablets? <laughs> <laughs> or, I'm sorry, tile samples. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. sure. The, thing, the thing they don't sell, yes. Yeah. Actually, I did go into a Hobby Lobby about two and a half weeks ago. Okay. Well, the reason I went into a Hobby Lobby is... Okay, so fun fact for all you people out there. Uh, if you have a tire that go that blows out on a highway, there are some companies that will not replace your tire if you're on a bridge. They will only re- replace your tire if you are on uh, not an elevated freeway or over a bridge. It has to be flat on the ground. I don't know what the... I, traffic engineers, you know what I'm talking about. You know the, the technical definitions of this. So I was stuck on a bridge and I called a company to change my tire for me. And they said, great. And then the truck flew past me and I called them again <laughs> saying, what's going on? And they said, oh, well, we don't ta- we don't replace tires on bridges. And I was like, okay. 
So then I called my insurance company again and said, hey, send a different tow truck for me so I can get off this bridge. And what eventually happened was that the highway patrol came up to me and said, we noticed you've been here for a while. And I said, yeah, it's been about three hours. I said, would you like a wrecker to tow you off into the nearest parking lot? And I said, sure. Is it free? And they said, yes. So they took my car and then they towed it. And what was the nearest parking lot? Why? Right outside of a Hobby Lobby. (laughs) This is a primetime NBC special conspiracy sort of plot to get you back to a Hobby Lobby for exposing all their misdeeds. I'm sure that I'm sure that's exactly it's it's a conspiracy by the Texas State Troopers, by the Highway Patrol, by the wrecking company that towed me there. It, it was all done in the name of getting me to say something nice about Hobby Lobby. This goes all the way to the top. It goes all the way to the top. But that's what I had about that's what I have about my Hobby Lobby experience. I and and you know what? At the time, I did not see any additional christmas elements than what they usually have throughout the year okay they're pretty um in force here but i guess this is real america so Mm. i don't know what to tell you oh i don't know what to tell you either about that hits me that hits me hard i'm sorry no but you know what i'm not sorry about uh i don't know well, among other things, other than you know, giant skeletons that are instantly out of stock, Morgan, I did not expect this when I left for September. So for our, our listeners out there, I pretty much took September off. And so usually we have our conspiracy or deep dive of the month. When I came back, I was like, oh, I probably need to start doing my research. And then I was like, eh... Not really a whole lot of time left. But then September was very generous. And you know what? Don't let anyone tell you that we do not get things done on this podcast because things happened in September. We reported and action happened. And what happened? Why? Several things. Premium. Premium among them. Hashtag Free Britney is a success. Woo! So let me start let me start you out there. So this is from several different news sources. Uh, I'm just gonna say it's from entertainment, it's from the New York Times, all sorts of other things. This was as of September 29th, 2021, quote, Britney Spears is released from her father's oversight. So according to the the latest news in Britney Spears' legal battle, a judge granted the request of the singer's lawyer to suspend her father, Jamie P. Spears, as conservator. A hearing for as to whether to end the arrangement completely that has long controlled her finances is set for November 12th. But as of the end of this month, Britney is free of her father. We did it. Conservatorship. We did it, ladies and gentlemen. Our reporting got this done. But also, our reporting got some other things done, too. Not just, no, 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 not just Jamie Spears is no longer on Britney Spears' conservatorship, mind you. Another thing that popped up this month was, quote, this is from Yahoo Entertainment. Conservatorship reform becomes law in California amid attention on Britney Spears' case. So, as as of a while ago, the 
governor of California, after unanimous consent from the state legislature, has signed a bill that seeks to reform California's conservatorship laws. Uh, the new law comes amid intense coverage of Britney Spears' case in the state. From whom? Why us, of course. Where she's seeking, of course, to cha- change her conservatorship after and the suspension of her father, Jamie Spears, who, mind you, was in the conservator of her estate, and we said it already, for 13 years. <laughs> oh. The new law that was passed in California emphasizes transparency and requires conservators overseeing estates valued at more than $1 million to register as professionals and receive training. Hmm. Conservatees now have more control over their legal representation, and it now includes a penalty of up to $50,000 for conservators uh, that courts find have not acted in the best interests of their clients. So this is a major win for the conservatorship reform movement. It's a major win for Britney Spears. Uh, who is the judge? Judge Brenda Penny. Thank you, Your Honor, for doing the putting in the good work and doing everything. Oh, and then I, the, I gotta love Yahoo Entertainment because they, as the ultimate insult to Mr. Spears, they spelled his name wrong. Is they nonetheless Jamie Spars. <laughs> This is the ultimate kicking the nads out the door. So that's Brittany. You're getting close. We we the the ter- uh, termination of your conservatorship is coming soon, and you've already released your plans for what you want to do afterwards. Uh, this is from it's a uh, magazine or a news article called Page Six, which is quote Britney Spears has no plans to perform after her conservatorship ends. A some groundbreaking news uh, uh, that came to us from TMZ, apparently. So, it's good news for her. Good news for everyone. Brittany, we're there for you. And the hashtag Free Brittany conservatorship movement, we're there for you too. So, that's pride of place this month. But, Morgan, now I'm going to have a little bit of a throwback time. Now we need to go back and step it back into our time machine and go all the way back to the beginning of this podcast. Let's do it. Fired up. Put gas in it this morning. All right. Going all the way back to the very, very first episode where I talked about and was pretty, pretty mad <laughs> at the McDonald's ice cream machines. I think it's safe to say that I was fairly... Enthralled by that, fairly passionate. Yes, yes, yes. Fairly passionate about that. Well, this is from the Wall Street Journal, from the very beginning of this month, uh, September first, twenty twenty-one, in an article by Heather Haddon, which was McDonald's McFlurry machine is broken. Parentheses again. God, I love the Wall Street Journal. Now the FTC is on it. The frequent malfunctioning equipment leads to a lawsuit and gets the federal antitrust agency involved. So if you recall, in the briefest form, one of the things we dove into with the McDonald's ice cream machines is that they're all made by one company known as Taylor. Taylor Mm -hmm. makes, of course, ice cream machines for lots of different places, but the one specifically for McDonald's has a tendency to break plenty of times. Well, now... The new administration and the FTC have decided that they are going to investigate 
why these machines are always broken, and they're going to investigate the relationship that Taylor has between itself and McDonald's and through these machines. So I'm now going to go through and cite a news article from that premiere of establishments, Food and Wine. Yes. Yes. The essentials. Yes, the absolute essentials. Uh, the article starts out really great. If you type in the words McDonald's ice cream machine into Google search, it immediately recommends some phrases like machine broken, machine always broken, and machine broken memes. <laughs> uh, so the agency, the FTC, has reached out to franchisees, so not to McDonald's itself, but to franchise owners, to try and gain insights and information about the chronically out-of-service machines. And uh, the Wall Street Journal, and through this investigation, the reports that the letters the FTC sent are part of a larger um, inquiry into what is known as right to repair, which is a practice of whether manufacturers deliberately hamper an owner's attempt to make repairs to their products. And so, of course, we talked about with Taylor about how really you just need a Taylor technician to fix the machine. Well, there's this uh, doctrine about right to repair. And so whether or not that is being violated with these McDonald's ice cream machines. So they're digital ice cream machines at more than 13,000 McDonald's restaurants, all manufactured, of course, as they say, by the Taylor company. Because uh, And I did not realize this at the time, but as an update, one of the reasons why these machines are so important is that they can serve both McFlurries and soft-serve Sundays. They're also, that makes them more complicated to clean, of course. And we briefly touched on this, uh, but about two years ago, there was a startup called Kitch, K-Y-T-C-H. Uh, they released a device that McDonald's workers could use to diagnose and repair the Taylor machines. And we talked about how Taylor McDonald's wanted to squash that. Uh, they were talking about how apparently, you, you know, we talked about how this you know, kitsch device or this program would tell you, hey, you get this error code. That means that you just need to not load as much ice cream into the machine. So McDonald's alleged that the kitsch solution could, quote, cause serious human injury. <laughs> the FTC didn't take too kindly to that. And so they're now investigating whether or not uh, McDonald's and more importantly, whether Taylor got into trouble because Taylor apparently acquired this uh, technology in a not so straightforward way. And what do I mean by that? Well, Kitch ended up suing Taylor saying that they, uh, essentially stole their technology and a judge mm. sided with kitsch. So Taylor's in trouble. Uh, McDonald's is in trouble. A McDonald's spo spokesperson said, quote, the company had no reason to believe that it was being investigated by the FTC. Nothing is more important to us than delivering our high standards for food quality and safety, which is why we work with fully vetted partners that can reliably provide safe solutions at scale, unquote. But, Franchise owners just seem to want their own ongoing ice cream issues to be resolved one way or another. Quote, we are tired of being the butt of late night jokes, unquote. The National Owners Association wrote in a May <laughs> message to McDonald's. So are our customers and crew. So this is all pretty great. Uh, as I said, this investigation is ongoing. And hopefully we will get some answers soon. Is this going to be... Uh 
variant on the new Dune show coming out where the ice cream must flow? I was not aware that, that, that that's coming out, but apparently it's coming out soon. So yes. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Any more tidbits you want to give us about that one, Morgan? No, it's about it. Just ice cream sounds really good right now. <laughs> yeah. Ice cream sounds really, really good. Uh, I will I will admit that I scream, you scream, we all scream out of sheer rage that the McDonald's ice cream machine is broken again. <laughs> oh, so we'll we will figure that out, and we may need some more, or even just some ice cream at all, Morgan, where we're going next, because we're going to jump back to another one of my favorites. It's about Hobby Lobby. Oh. And the Epic of Gilgamesh. Oh, But this is some happy news that happened this month. So as of September 23rd, Mm -hmm. this is a news article from, let's see, from our old friends at NBC News. It was, Mm -hmm. quote, ancient Gilgamesh tablet taken from Iraq and bought by Hobby Lobby is returned. And this is as of September 23rd, 2021. So the Epic of Gilgamesh has been officially returned to uh, the government of Iraq. A, the 3,600-year-old cuneiform artifact. Uh, the sale was predicated on a false assurance of its provenance, of course. And we mentioned how it was taken and was going to be put on display at the Museum of the Bible. And then, whoops, turns out that Hobby Lobby didn't do their background homework and they got sued by the Justice Department. So they have returned the Epic of Gilgamesh, this tablet of the dream sequence, to Iraq. It's because they're too busy individually tagging every item with a price sticker. They don't don't use barcodes. They don't. Yeah, Mark of the Devil. I'm going to let you take the lead on that one, but... I don't, I, I don't know why they don't. I just know that they mark everything individually. <laughs> uh, they don't use barcodes. so Yes. So let's see. Oh, what else happened on that one? So the, this was hailed by UNESCO and, of course, the United Nations. They, were, they made talked about how it was a major victory. Uh, let's see. The UNESCO Director General, Audrey Azoulay, said an exceptional restitution and this is a major victory over those who mutilate heritage and then traffic it to finance violence and terrorism. So this is the UN's happy. The U.S. government's happy. Hobby Lobby's not happy, but meh. So uh, part of this news story that, that UNESCO had published about the tablet and the Epic of Gilgamesh is that uh, authorities in the United States, which represent about 44% of the global art market, had really started making significant progress in tackling stolen artifacts in recent years. With the help of improved legislation and the assistance of key cultural institutions, which is really, which is really great. Um, Morgan, apparently there is a government organization, and I am not making this up, there is an organization called the U.S. Antiquities Trafficking Unit. That's cool as shit. It sounds super awesome. So for all you listeners out there, if you or someone you know is part of the U.S. Antiquities Trafficking Unit, have them send us an email. We really want to know what their work life is like. That stuff sounds awesome. And then, but Morgan, I'm just going to round out Hobby Lobby here for a second because 
there's another interesting postscript, which let me see if I can go to that, is Ah yes. The New York Times. <laughs> this is Oh, let's see, when's this article from? September twenty-fourth. <clears throat> Quote He taught ancient texts at Oxford. Now he's accused of stealing some. Hobby Lobby, the craft chain that helped build a collection for the Museum of the Bible, has sued a former Oxford lecturer, asserting he <laughs> he sold its stolen artifacts. So, uh, this guy who apparently Hobby, Hobby Lobby is alleging sold him some artifacts, Hobby Lobby is now suing this Oxford press professor, saying that he stole some of them. Oh my god. Oh, this is turning into a, uh, into a fanfare, folks. This is great. Um, his name is Dirk Abenik. He was an esteemed lecturer at the University of Oxford. Uh, let's see. He had, it looks like his resume goes back to at least 2001 for his work on papyrus and held a prominent post in helping run the, oh goodness, I can't pronounce this, the Oxyrhynchus papyri, the world's largest collection of ancient papyri, held at the Egypt Exploration Society and housed at Oxford's Oxford's Sackler Library. Let's see. He started his association with Hobby Lobby about a decade ago, and he was helping them make sense of their artifacts. So now Hobby Lobby is suing the professor, saying that 32 items it bought from him were stolen from the Egypt Exploration Society. So, whoops. Uh, he denies the allegations, but supposedly the Exploration Society has banned him. So this is going to be very interesting very quickly. So that wraps up <laughs> my deep dive into my deep dives as the updates that you had been hoping for, all the good news that had happened in September. But Morgan, I think we also have to talk about that September had an anniversary this month. Um, it was, as many of you are aware, it was the anniversary of 9-11. It's been 20 years. And there was some very interesting uh, commentary on 9-11 this year. And how, I think the best way to describe it is that you told me that this is kind of like an, an easy take oven. It is. Every idiot mixed up some uh, prepackaged grief and uh, with a little bit of uh, forgetting juice and threw it in their easy take oven and out comes awful, distasteful, um, and some pretty, uh, you know, kind of just plain uh, takes on how to remember 20 years since 9-11. So we'll start at... We'll start at a low level and work our way up. So, Carl, I need you to guess the entity that posted this. 20 years ago, our world was forever changed. On this day, we reflect on the events of September 11th, and we promise to never forget the selflessness of ordinary people who became heroes, especially our first responders and those who made the ultimate sacrifice. Uh, the Police and Firefighters Union of New York. Party City. Oh no! <laughs> it's a great message. It's one of those things where not everyone has to say something, you know. Um, but yeah, so Party City did their part. God bless them. And it just 
climbing up the uh, the, the awful ladder, these stakes and stakes of you know, of uh, stakes and stakes, these stacks and stacks of awful awful takes. The Weather Channel was like, you know, it's you know, we remember everyone who lost their lives on September 11th. By the way, there was a hurricane off the coast that year. Got to, mm. you know, you got to stay on brand. I mean, Party City didn't do that. They didn't say, come get your 20-year remembrance party favors. I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. I still can't get over that. Party City thought they had to weigh in on 20 years since 9-11. Oh, boy. We have, or had, I guess they still hold these beliefs. Linwood, most famous for um, trying to overturn the 2020 elections where Trump lost and the cyber ninja audit in Arizona failed and found that Biden got more votes. Lynn Wood, um, once I hear a decent lawyer, is now a 9-11 truther. Okay. Yep. Uh, all those planes and explosions, CGI. Mm. If anyone remembers... If, or really, if anyone doesn't remember what CGI was like in 2001, go watch Lord of the Rings, the the Fellowship of the Ring. Watch it now. <laughs> it's a uh, you can tell when something's fake. You know, we didn't. You know, we didn't have that capability. Also, it's wildly an insane thing to do from someone who has several tens of thousands. I think maybe even a hundred thousand followers on Telegram that he can just sort of that he. Canon does sick on people that he doesn't like. Then there is Magic the Gathering. So, oh no, wait, that's Marjorie Taylor Greene. I need to stop using <laughs> acronyms. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Congresswoman, called the plane that crashed into the Pentagon a so-called plane, which calls back to the conspiracy that it was a cruise missile that had a hologram on it to look like a plane, or it was a cruise missile that no one saw, and it was just blamed on being a plane. Wait, that really was a conspiracy that it was a cruise missile and not a plane? Mm-hmm. 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 Really? Because the, the security footage doesn't show a plane in because it's moving so fast and the frame rate of the security footage isn't fast enough to catch it. Well, yeah, because this is also security footage from, like, 2001. Exactly. It's not like everyone had ring doorbells everywhere. No. Um, but, yeah, no, that's that, that's definitely been one for a while. Um, I've even heard the... the, the um, like the planes at the towers, those were remote controlled with nobody on them. There's those were CGI'd cruise missiles to look like planes, but they were actually missiles. Or the planes were CGI and there was no missile, but there were bombs planted in the towers. Hmm. This is where uh, this is where the thought leaders of the Republican Party are right now. Sure, Marjorie Taylor Greene's just a congresswoman who lost all of her committee assignments for being a real piece of work. Uh, and sure, Lynn Wood's a disgraced maniac just screaming at the clouds. Where <laughs> Old man screams at clouds again. The clouds are talking back because they follow him and does what he says. But, you know, these two people have massive influence in the Republican Party. Hmm. Not to mention that Trump after on 9-11 on TV in a phone interview said that he now owned the tallest building in New York as the towers had after the towers had uh, collapsed. 
I still, I've watched the YouTube video of that, and that still doesn't make sense to me. It was a, it was a sign of things to come, man. <laughs> oh man, I who would have who would have thought that we would go from The Apprentice to this? I, you know, that person probably was screaming at the clouds just like Lynn would, you know. Yeah, because oh well, wait, I'm sorry. The Apprentice first aired in 2004. So that, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. I thought, for some reason, I kept thinking that it had aired in the 90s. But it's. I think it's just because that time frame just keeps warping from yes. there. Just... Yes, no, it's not It's not like CSI Miami. No. <laughs> and then, so we're climbing further up our, our ladder to the next rung. The Federalist wants you to think that 9-11 isn't as bad as the left. The tyrannical totalitarian left. Uh, okay. Carl, was the Federalist ever a reasonable sort of publication? I had vague memories, like say, two thousand fifteen, that it was okay. marginally reasonable. Okay, because I think the whole point, or like one of the big things about the Federalist, was just like it was just we will take publications from all sorts of people who are broadly of a. I would say at the time it was like a center right to right leaning. I mean, it had a cultural bent to it too, but it was largely a mm-hmm. staff publication of we're just going to take article submissions from people who are broadly of who co- put themselves on the political right. And so 15, 16, it was like, eh. and then it was a publication, which at the very beginning, it was like most of the, it was like most of the people who ended up after 16 from the right, they Posed Trump, from what I understand, and then they rolled over and played dead, and then they became Trump stands. So mm. it, the long slow decline of the Federalist is just, you know, from the from from the early heydays of we're going to support new and innovative young people ideas to my Chipotle bowl is going to cost me thirty cents more and it's the government's fault because of wage bribery to you know, 9-11 isn't as bad as the left. So it's, it's watching, it's like watching a men, uh, person go through mental decline. It is not pretty, but it, but I can tell you, at least watching the Federalist, it's somewhat entertaining. <laughs> so well, our, the very tippy top of our ladder is another publication online that, uh, Takes the cake, takes the uh, the nine eleven cake this year. Uh, they found the 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 nine eleven baby in the in the cake. I don't, I didn't think this through. It's horrible. Uh, Spiked online is uh, from just this article. Probably not sort of the most reasonable place to get your news or opinions. When the politics of victimhood turned violent, nine eleven was an act of apocalyptic identitarianism okay fine right Mm. what a headline nope this says that uh, osama bin laden was a woke warrior environmentalist he believed in cancel culture you know yada 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 and that's how you know it crazy right well the guy who wrote it brendan o'neill chief political writer here's some of his other headlines just to give you a, an idea of his sort of grasp on reality. 
we have, is long COVID a myth? The ACLU morphs into the Ministry of Truth. There is no such thing as white privilege. It's pretty tame, honestly, compared to everything else. Uh, apocalypse porn. Who will call out COVID's prophets of doom? A war on woke, I wish. A lot of British central, you know, British uh, articles that really don't amount to a hill of beans. But he is the winner on our list of awful 9-11 takes this year. <laughs> well, that that seems pretty tame. Although I do have a special treat to throw in. You remember if uh, didn't our didn't the State Attorney General's office at the great state of Texas also get in trouble with this too this month. Oh my god, I forgot. I don't know if he got in trouble, mm-hmm. but uh, yes, your um, Red Army Commander of Texas has uh, he well, he did he this did. This is it Lieutenant Governor Dan Pat. Uh, no, not Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. No, it's even better. It's the State Attorney General. I think wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't it our, our my good old friend Ken Paxton? Is he your friend? No, he's not. Okay. <laughs> I would I would only be his friend in order to record messages and then send them to the FBI. <laughs> All right. No, okay, yes, you are right. It is Attorney General Ken Paxton under an investigation for several felonies. Yes. Or my personal favorite is the fact that he he has a certain reputation for saying how certain things in at least under the current administration are the most illegal acts ever in history when he has been fighting i kid you not an indictment for securities fraud in the state of texas almost the entire tenure that he's been attorney general i wish i was making this up but when your state attorney general is under indictment for securities fraud maybe it's time to think about your statements about oh you know so much about illegal activities (laughs) Yeah, he's an expert in it. He's an expert in illegal activities. He knows exactly what he's doing. But on top of that, apparently he had a, a nice 9-11 take, didn't he? He did. The, the, it was a lovely little tweet. Uh, by the time I screenshotted it, it had 666 likes. Nice. True. 20 years ago today, our country was attacked. Our enemies turned planes into missiles and used them to strike at the heart of American democracy. We must hashtag never forget... The almost 3,000 Americans that perished. Please spend a few moments today remembering and praying for the families. Hashtag 911. Mm-hmm. And then there's a picture. Now, that in of itself is not, I'm not too terribly controversial, but. No, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, and then the attached picture is three guys at the office. You know, one's got his tie sort of loosened. Everyone, no, no one's got a top button up. They're enjoying themselves. They're having, uh, they have red solo cups and a very small donut box and uh, you can tell that they're at a window because there's reflections of the ceiling lights and right coming at them is a United flight. Oh no. (laughs) But it's, it's one of those, uh, why uh, man, uh, you had like this sort of tech, all these words that were great and fine. You could just left it at that. No, now you have to throw this absolute horrible visceral image right at everybody. So that's how uh, your attorney general is making Texas proud, Carl. That's wonderful. So that's he's yours. Yeah, he's ours. He, he he's a he's a Texas product. Oh man, that's the 
Oh, hashtag <laughs> never forget. There's there's nothing like September every year to sort of take all the emotional and mental energy out of Carl. No, I, well, I I already had most of my emotional mental energy taken out by uh, by the twenty first of September. Because as you as you all know, uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, twenty it's twenty first of September every year. They. I thought it was the twentieth. Twenty first. Don't do you remember twenty first night of September? Apparently, I don't. Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> It's the, it's supposed to be September twenty first. Okay, I believe you. I believe you now. <laughs> oh man, I always thought it was the twentieth. Okay, nope. All right, you're looking it up, aren't you? Oh uh, no 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 no! I I I did not only had to look. I looked at the lyrics just to make sure, because it is. Do you remember, comma twenty first night of September? Uh huh. Yes. Love was changing the minds of pretenders while chasing the clouds away, AAA, etc., etc. Well, Carl, do you want to tell us about a museum piece called Take the Money and Run? So, there was a Danish museum. This is now a quickfire round, right? Oh, yeah. Pew, pew, pew. Okay. There is a Danish museum which had said to an aspiring artist, hey, we are going to pay you the equivalent of $84,000 if you will make some art for us. And he was like, great. So he turned in his art. He collected the cash. He revealed the art as two blank canvases, and he titled it Take the Money and Run. I... It is as straightforward a situation as one could possibly get from that and I I'm going to put my cards on the table here I'm not a me and and contemporary art have a lot of disagreements I will put it that way Sure. there's a lot of contemporary art to me that doesn't make sense I think a lot of it is dumb the worst thing for me is the whole blank canvas shtick I'm I've I have seen it before uh, where someone just has a giant ass blank canvas in an art museum and they get, slap a title on it and it makes me pretty mad. It's pretty mad that people can get away with that. Uh, but this was, this was good. I, this one I will make an exception for. <laughs> so this was, uh, the Just artist. The way he got paid. Yeah, the artist. Uh, ooh, Danish is not my strong suit in, in pronunciations. Uh, instead, the Do artist, uh, uh, Jen Hanning, gave the Kunsten Museum of Modern Art in Alborg. Oh goodness, Alborg. Two blank canvases and said they were titled "Take the Money and Run." He Hanning was asked to recreate two of his previous works. 2010's an average Danish annual income and an average Austrian annual income first exhibited in 2007. Both used actual cash to show the average incomes of the two countries, according to a news release from the artist, which, I mean, that's an instance where I would literally take that money and run. I would just go in and be like, hey, this is an art. It's money. And then just take the money. <laughs> this is how this is. <laughs> this is why 
we're not going to need a Patreon because we're just going to start hitting up art museums around the country. Yes. Pull this, pull this heist. Oh, yeah. Subsequently, we could ascertain that the money had, quote, not been put into the work. What? <laughs> Instead, the frames meant to be filled with cash were empty. <laughs> he's a hero. Oh, he's a hero. Just taking a stab at contemporary art everywhere. So that's... That was one thing that happened this month. Holy howdy doody. Uh, Morgan, what's this whole thing about Eleanor Holmes Norton and the zoo? Eleanor Holmes Norton is a, I believe, a a non-voting representative of D.C. who made a public statement that, no, she didn't set the zebras free. Apparently there were zebras that got out from a zoo in the D.C. area. And look, I'm not saying if you preemptively say I didn't do it, that means you did it. But it looks kind of suspicious. and People have to wonder. But she's insistent that she did not set the zebras free. <laughs> so hopefully this means that there's going to be packs of feral zebras in D.C. for years and years to come. <laughs> They're just going to start roaming around in the, the wilderness outside of D.C. in Virginia yeah, it's and like, Maryland. Uh, like those dogs in Moscow that ride the subway. Oh, really? I've, I've, you know, I've seen pictures of them, but I don't know the full story behind them. I just dogs living in the city, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah, like that. Um, all, no, damn. What's that Disney movie? The dogs singing dogs. Oh, the singing dogs one. That was an 80s one, wasn't it? I don't know. Has Billy Joel. Uh yeah okay that was in the weird period of Disney that was in their dark age it was their dark Oliver age something uh yeah Oliver Stone no no, no that's not it <laughs> or is it just Oliver no <laughs> Oliver and Company wasn't it yes 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 Oliver that's and it. Company that's Oliver Stone it. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, uh, it's just dogs running guns to the Contras oh yes. No, that's Oliver Norton. It's, all, it's, Oliver, it's North. Oliver North. No, not Oliver Stone. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, it had Billy Joel, Natalie Gregory. <laughs> uh, it was a winner. Surely, Ralph. I mean, eh, yeah, it was a winner-ish. But, yeah, that was, that was in the weird time of Disney. That was that was pre Renaissance Disney because that because that that was actually yeah that was 1988 that was the really year cool. before Little Mermaid oh, okay yes so the Dark Age was pretty much in the mid 80s because that was the let's see let's see they had the Fox and the Hound in 81 they had the Black Cauldron in 85 which is the one that everyone makes jokes about now I, in fact I think Disney also now makes fun of itself for the Black Cauldron I haven't even seen this one. It's probably one. It's one of the worst Disney movies. It's is just it in their vault? I think it's in their vault somewhere, buried very deep. It's in the it's in the black archives. Here, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Where's where's my Disney Plus at? Uh, the Black Cauldron, and then also they had um, in '86 was the Great Mouse Detective, and then this was '88 was Oliver and Company. Oh my god. Ooh, no. The Black Cauldron is on Disney+. Plus. 
Oh, no. <laughs> Watch oh. it, and you will not understand. <laughs> a young pig keeper becomes an unlikely hero when he confronts an evil king. Yep, it's a, it, it sounds as interesting as that. So. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, man. Well, we all go through our dark times, just like how... Uh, Disney did and Alex Jones currently having lost his third Sandy Hook lawsuit. Right. So Alex Jones has made several different allegations about Sandy Hooks as basically being a, a false flag and mm. you know children weren't actually murdered by a crazed lunatic with lots of guns. And so it turns out that the uh, parents of the Sandy Hook victims, uh, you know, again, children, Turns out their parents decided that they were going to sue Alex Jones for defamation. And as we covered last week, or last month, last year, last eon ago, it's so hard to tell nowadays. This is why you shouldn't take so much time off. This is why you shouldn't take so much time off. As we covered last time, uh, defamation suits are not easy to win, but... Alex Jones has found a way to lose another one. So Morgan, what's the what's the juicy bit on this one right here? Oh, um I I didn't look too deep into it. I just the the man just keeps getting kicked. I mean, he already already lost his kids uh, in the divorce. Had to admit that his whole shtick was a shtick to a judge. Yep. Um he's your neighbor. I mean, poor guy. <laughs> I assume he still lives in Austin. Oh, yeah. Him and Joe Rogan can go be big, chubby, bald-headed guys at a bar somewhere, I guess. <laughs> and there's there's something I know a little bit more about that happened this month. It was a Trump campaign fundraiser via raffle hmm. for a candidate for Senate named Mr. I believe it's Herschel Walker. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Walker used to play football, mm-hmm. the American hand egg variety. And so Trump and Mr. Walker signed a football and they're going to raffle it off. And, you know, you have, you have five minutes left and we sent this offer just to you. And turns out it's not a football. Yes, it looks like a football. It's sort of oval shaped, but nope, 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 nope. It's a rugby ball. Oh, so I don't know how America loving Trump, who's probably n- never really played a sport in his life, although I think he did play baseball when he was a kid. Anyway, um, or a guy who's supposed to have played football understood what they were holding in their hands. Maybe the signatures are forged. I don't know. <laughs> but one thing that's definitely not forged, Carl. BTK's daughter is on Twitter. Oh yeah, <laughs> there's a. This was. Uh, let's see. Her name is Carrie, Carrie Rawson. Rawson. Yep. And we do not mean to unmask her because I think she pretty much unmasked herself. Is that mm-hmm. a great way to put it? And through a through a quote tweet because I was talking about uh, what was what was it? It was if you could go back in time to whatever age and tell yourself something what would you say you only had three words three words <laughs> and, and her, words, uh, dad is btk yes <laughs> uh so btk's daughter is on twitter so 
posting a lot of cat media and things like that. That's just fairly host, uh, fairly wholesome. I, will, I shall say, it's what the internet's for. Okay, so we're going to end on a crazy note here with the with this quick fire round. I found the the next one is a news article that I came across very briefly. It was in uh, you know me, Morgan. I like to be cultured from now and now and again. So I so sometimes I listen to the BBC, and I caught the very tail end of this news article, and I was like, wait a minute, this can't be a thing, and it is. So, in the Netherlands, uh, there is a concern that, you know, a lot of old people who have been in lockdown, they haven't been in close contact with their families, um, they haven't been able to go out and chat with people, of course, like delivery and all of that. So, there, uh, there's a grocery store chain in the Netherlands, uh, a supermarket chain saying that, okay, we're going to have a system of chat checkouts. So you go in, you go buy your groceries. And now that you can go and buy your groceries again in the checkout counter, you can pay to go to a checkout counter and have a long conversation with your checkout clerk. So not, not while you're scanning your groceries, but a whole completely separate operation well it's pretty much a, the conversation happens before during and after mostly after your groceries are scanned okay so it originated a while back uh the result uh was that many positive reactions from customers and now this grocery store chain which is called jumbo is expanding the initiative further and so by Beginning of next year, there will be chat checkouts in 200 stores across the Netherlands where people can go for conversation. And they're, when choosing their stores, they're going to consider areas where loneliness is a major factor. And that's usually defined as people who live by themselves in a single household with no immediate family around. Mm-hmm. So they try to look at that. Uh, goodness, I'm not good with these names. So I'm just going to call her Miss Colette. Erd, the C, the CCO of Jumbo, was the driving force behind this uh, campaign, and she's part of their national coalition against loneliness. is closely involved in that initiative, and she said, "quote Many people, especially the elderly, sometimes feel lonely, and as a family business and supermarket chain, we are the heart of society. Our stores are an important meeting place for many people, and we want to play a role in identifying and reducing loneliness." And we're proud that many of our cashiers like to take a seat behind these uh, these chat checkout counters. They support the initiative and want to help people make real contact out of genuine interest. So there's... I do like the yeah. the image of them cutting a yellow ribbon, I assume for a store opening in this article. Underneath it, you would normally see information about the picture, what's in it, mm-hmm. who took it, what year. Nope, just says Jumbo. Yep, it's Jumbo. Uh, they, what's not in this article, but was in the BBC article, was that Jumbo, it may be Jumbo, it may be another supermarket chain, is also setting up you know, checkout corners where, or, or just little chat lounges where in their supermarkets, they will have places where people can just sit down and talk to other people. And I think that's so wholesome. It's just sit down and other people will come up and just talk to you. They're part of their campaign to tackle loneliness. And I thought this was great. I liked that. So the Netherlands is doing something good this month. So 
If you're in if you're in the Netherlands or if you're going to the Netherlands anytime soon, go to a jumbo, pay to go into the uh, the chat checkouts, see what it's like, and then email us, drop us a line. We're very interested. Or that may be where I go on vacation next, just to go to the Do chat it. checkout. Yep. All right. The next thing is a really interesting one because I've heard this one on several different podcasts. This one I think made it on Planet Money. I think this guy also has his own podcast as well, but it's <laughs> one man set out to make the perfect pasta shape, and it's so popular that orders are backed up for months. I will say he does have a podcast. He did a five-part series called Mission Impossible, which is so to, good <laughs> to to talk about. <laughs> he created this whole shape. Oh yeah, which is uh, Dan Pashman is his name. Hmm. Uh, and he's made his own pasta shape and uh, decided that it was going to be his own. Uh, he was going to make his own pasta form because it didn't exist. And he went about and he has I mean, he has his own. You said he has his own program and he's also been interviewed with other people. And he describes the very arduous process actually it takes to get a pasta shape made. And one of the big things is that you need the mold for your pasta shape and you one of the problems that goes into that is the fact that you need a pasta shape that'll fit through that mold and that will have, I guess the best way to describe it is structural integrity with all the different designs and uh, combinations that you want to use to try it out with. So it's his journey is very interesting, but he was worried in the very beginning that this is going to be so esoteric that no one would want to, by his pasta. So I am pleased to announce that Dan Pashman's new pasta shape has instantly sold out and is on back order. And I appreciate his dive into the greater pasta universe. And if you wanted to read more about it, there is a website, as of course there would be, called pasta.com. Oh, I take it back. Uh, his podcast is not called Mission Impossible. It is called The Sporkful. The Sporkful, but his podcast series, which you're referring to, is Mission Impossible. Right. You'll want to look for Mission Impossible in the titles there. Yes. Sorry, Mission Impossible. So he created a pasta, and it's called uh, Cascatelli, which translates to, and the article says, translates to something like, which, I, which is <laughs> very honest of them, translates to little pasta waterfalls. Uh, they combine his favorite aspects of various different pasta forms. He creates a ruffled edges with a sauce trough. Uh, and then also it can be easily forkable, which is, you know, stab with a fork and there are overlapping elements. And there's this little toothy shape. It has rough grooved edges and uh, yep. And they're already backed up orders by six to eight weeks, but you can order them now. And they look like, they look like little curly Q slides, like uh, and with 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 wavy edges. It's very interesting. I, I I encourage everyone to go and take a look at it because it also looks delicious, and I could see why he would want to make his own shape for, like, to hold the pasta sauce and also to be able to eat it quite well. So, Dan Pashman, thank you very much. Wow, you can you can only pre-order a four pack of one pound boxes of oh, wow. on their website. You can't even can't even pre-order a single pound or a five pound bulk bag. Mm. 
uh, bulk pasta. <laughs> Mamma mia. Uh, oh, boy. Oh, no. Oh, I... no. All right, Morgan. Yep. I sent you this article earlier this month. You and did? it comes as part of my long-running question. Like, my, my very imminent long-running question that I have in all of life. And the question's this. What is wrong with scientists? Not a damn thing. There you go. Because <laughs> there is this news article from CNET, which is, <clears throat> quote, Scientists show that cows can be potty trained, just like your favorite pets. And I hate this. I hate the, the subtitle. Don't have a cow, man. Cattle can learn to use a latrine, and it's for a good cause. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, goodness. So, but, so tell me why. So like why, why well, so would first a scientist off, do this? So first off, I'm just going to say that it's a group of scientists from the Research Institute for Farm Animal Biology and from the University of Auckland. And they set out to teach calves to pee only in one spot where it can be treated and cleaned before it causes any problems. Um, it's not exactly a toilet, but it is more like a latrine. It's like a specifically fit. It's a specifically fenced off area lined with artificial cra uh, grass and it's dubbed. I hate this. It's dubbed the Mulu. You didn't tell me that it is dubbed the Mulu. <laughs> Oh man, and uh, they've got they have the bane of the internet, which is autoplay videos, and it's showing a cow using the Mulu. Yes. Uh, oh, no. It is usually assumed that cattle are not capable of controlling their their bowels, says animal psychologist uh, Jen Legbian, co-author of a study published Monday, which must have been yeah, earlier September in the Journal of Current Biology. Uh Cattle, like many other animals or farm animals, are quite clever, and they can learn a lot. Why shouldn't they be uh, be able to learn how to use a toilet? So, <laughs> uh, so eleven out of the sixteen cows within a number of weeks, in, according to their study, were able to learn how to use the mulu. Fifteen so, days. Yes, <laughs> in fifteen days, they trained cows to use the mulu. <laughs> so. Why is this important? Well, apparently, cow urine is high in nitrogen and breaks down into nitrate and nitrous oxide, and that's bad for the environment. And mm -hmm. so nitrous oxide, according to this article, is 300 times more potent than carbon dioxide. I know a lot of people talk about cow farts because of cow methane, but nitrous oxide is also apparently very potent too. So cows, man, they're... They're a lot for the environment to handle. So, and then some of those. <laughs> How did the research? I love this part of the article. How did the researchers get the cows to use the mulu? First, they use vibrating collars to teach the cows to walk a short distance to the bright green area, <laughs> and gave them treats if they went if they peed there. Uh, then they increased the distance to the latrine. <laughs> the cows started to be in the wrong place scientists used the same technique many pet owners used to keep their dogs and cats off the couch they're squirting the animals with cold water <laughs> you know, the water doesn't harm the calves but just as with socks at the cat at home it annoys them <laughs> 
So I learned the hard way that my dog doesn't give a damn about being sprayed with water. Mm. He, uh, he, he loves it. He loves it so much he will actually get right up on the nozzle in the yard when I'm spraying it and then just sort of walk away gagging because he doesn't understand that he can choke on it. What if I can train him like these cows? Oh, man. That's just... Uh, cows, I'm telling you. And scientists. Just coming up with ways to try and help people. Hey, y'all. Morgan here. Give us a review on iTunes for the show. It's the classic way to help podcasts that you enjoy to get more listeners. Otherwise, the show will languish in obscurity, and you wouldn't want that to happen to old Uncle Good Faith Pod, would you? You've already got one. It's five stars from J. Jenna Jameson. Quote, I enjoy this podcast. Carl and Morgan are fun to listen to. End quote. Well, Jenna, flattery, flattery charges our batteries. Hey, do you have a story that we absolutely need to cover? Are you stuck in an Anne Randy and apocalyptic world worried about socialist reign? just want to complain about your neighbor that keeps putting their pizza boxes in the recycling bin when you know damn well that the whole batch is getting thrown out? You can email us at goodfaithpod at gmail.com or leave a voicemail at 980-263-9841. Really? Just why can't anybody fucking be normal on this website? Jesus Christ, why can't any of you people be normal? Why is it like this? All the time here on Twitch and Twitter, it's always just some goddamn communist, and somebody comes in and says, well, actually, you know, slavery wasn't that bad. God, just be normal. Please, be normal. Be one of these normal people you're going to deal with in, in everyday life who isn't out here just kind of just trying to refight the Eastern Front. My God.